welcome, welcome, welcome. So we are back for episode six. And for my faithful listeners, faithful followers, thank you very much, as always, for continuing to listen to whatever it is that I have to talk about. If this is your first time listening to me, welcome. As I said in my last podcast, I have kind of been having a rather busy social life, but of course, you know, I make sure that I set aside some time at least every two weeks to make sure that I can get some good content out to you guys. And this week was no different. I was actually in the process of planning everything. I mean, I had my concept together. I had done my homework. I had everything ready to go. I mean, I had even already set the artwork aside. I figured out, okay, this is exactly how I'm going to present it. So I was ready. I was ready to go into my recording, totally aware and with purpose and direction. And then life happened. <laughs> it happened in such a way that I was like, you know what? I think I may have to deviate from my original plans and address something else. Of course, February here in the United States, it is Black History Month. And hey, guess what? For those of y'all have, who have not seen a picture of me, I am actually a Black woman who was born and bred in the United States. I actually take pride and joy in the fact that we have, albeit, you know, some people may complain about it only being a month, but we have a month where we can educate people and allow people to embrace a little bit more of Black culture in regards to American history and, you know, how this country was founded, where we've been, where we're going, how we're trying to get there, all that other fun stuff, right? It's almost like, oh, well, they can't get mad at us because this is our month, so we can, you know, we can say what we want. <laughs> we can talk about being Black as much as, as much as we want, and people can't get mad about it. I mean, they, they can get mad about it, but, like, openly, it's just, it's almost, like, frowned upon. I definitely wanted to address that during this month. And like I said, I had something already planned, but those facts and the research that I did will still be there next month, the month after, you know, it's it's always there. It's been there for years. I'm sure at some point in time, I'll get a chance to touch on it, but there was actually something that occurred that needed to be addressed now. And I found myself at this weird place because I wanted to make sure the people that know me whenever they would hear it they still knew that you know well yeah this is this is her this is not some cookie cutter Tasha you know this is still the, the chick that we know the one who will say and do any and everything and you know is unapologetically herself but I also recognize that you know many of these people have had years to get to know me and they've been spoon-fed <laughs> at a slower rate so I don't want to inundate you know new listeners to just be totally I guess taken aback by my my rawness and my unfilteredness. So it was a matter of, do I address this topic and how do I address it? So it was almost like I had to start doing research all over again, but research in regards to how do I put this topic out there or put this incident out there? So I realized in order for me to get into what things are as, as of right now, I kind of had to go back a little bit. Many of you already know, and I have spoken about it before, but I was born and raised in Southwest Louisiana. Love being a Louisiana girl, love everything that it has taught me to be. But the reality is, is that even, you know, it, during my upbringing, which I graduated high school from there and left and moved away from there in 95, but there was still a significant racial divide. So I grew up with that kind of understanding that this is what your blackness means. This is what it looks like in this society where you are growing up and where you're being raised. And I remember 
even whenever I was little. And I'm not sure exactly like how old I was or whatever, but I remember coming home and I was so mad. This was in elementary school for sure. But I came home and I was so upset. And my mom was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, so-and-so called me a nigger. And my mom, I mean, without flinching, she said, is that what you are? And I was like, no. She said, well, they're not talking to you. And that was as far as that went. It wasn't, you know, well, some people look at you this way or some people look at you that way or some people th feel it's okay to say this or that. It, there was none of that. It was just, is that what you are? No. Okay, well, then they're not talking to you. Fast forward into, like, my, my high school days, I distinctly remember it was like the black guys were, you know, bragging and boasting and celebrating because they were hooking up with, with white girls. But then you had the black chicks who, under the cover of night, you had these white guys who were seeking them out but then on Monday morning, they would want to call them all kind of black bitches and, you know, niggers and everything else. And I'm talking with a hard R. I'm not talking about with an AS at the end. So that was that was my experience. But even with all of that and even knowing that there was a white side of town and there was a black side of town. And yes, I'm talking about in 1990s. There was a black side of town, the white side of town. There was the black swimming pool. There was a white swimming pool. That still didn't change how I viewed my friendships. It still didn't change how I viewed the people that I socialized with. I didn't look at it as, well, I knew, like, there was one of my friends. I knew that it was extremely strange for me to sleep over at her house because he had never, her dad had never, ever let anybody black sleep over at her house. And she and I had gotten so comfortable and close, and he had so much respect for my grandfather. Like, he knew what family I came from, so I guess he was okay with it. And my grandfather was very, very close with, like, the white community that was out there because he did a lot of work with a lot of them. It was almost like I kind of was given a little bit of a pass, I guess. I, was, I would sleep over at uh, my friend's house, but I knew in the back of his mind he really didn't see me as equal to his daughter. But I still just overlooked it, and I, I hung out at her house. I was comfortable and cool over there. And even once I left and went in the military and I went back home to visit, her dad was still, you know, cool with me, but I still knew in the back of my mind, this man really does not like me. He didn't have a problem with who I was, but he had a problem with what I was. I hope that makes sense. This is, this was how I grew up. I grew up with the re reality of, you know, you stay here and we stay there. We co-mingle, but that's it. You know, we are not equals. And I still, you know, had this hopefulness about the world or whatever. So when I went into the military, and of course I'm exposed to even more cultures, more, you know, backgrounds and more experiences beyond just the black or white experience, I'm learning all these other people. And there was one chick, I'll never, ever forget her. I remember, uh, this was in the army, and she told me, she was like, uh, she was totally obsessed with everything about black people. And I said, you know, what is, like, why? What is your problem? She was like... Well, because my dad wouldn't even let us watch the Cosby show. We couldn't even watch the Jeffersons. And we didn't have any black people in our neighborhood. And the one black family that did move in, he made sure to let us know not to hang out with them. I, like, I, I remember those conversations. And I remember just being like, wow, you know, I thought it was bad where I was. Like, this girl couldn't even watch them on television. And when I say them, I'm talking about black people. <laughs> she couldn't even do that. Even though I still had this diverse group of, of associates and, you know, a social life that involved any and everybody under the rainbow, I guess I still have always just continued to grow up and know that not everybody sees things so freely and fluidly. And that thing is always in the back of my mind. I know there's a possibility that I'm different in their mind, that I'm not the same and I'm not equal in their mind. Current situation has not changed. I'm, I still have 
a wide array of, of people that I socialize with because I don't pick people based, like I don't pick my social circle, I don't pick my, you know, the coworkers that I'm cool with based on what their skin color is. I pick them based on like, you know, are, are you okay with this nut job of a person that I am and this loud and crazy person? Like, do you, you know, encourage me to be who I actually am and be my best version of self? And if you, if you can check that box, odds are like, I'm a rock with you. I don't care. I have a friend who is one of those people. And I've actually defined her as almost like the yin to my yang. We, we, just, we, we just got along really, really well. She as well has, you know, her own friends, obviously outside of me that I've interacted with and gotten along with great. Like we've had, we've gone out together. We've all partied together. We've had social times at, at her house together and it's been fine. But then of course she has, you know, some friends that are from out of town that in, in typical Tasha fashion, I was like, hey, we should all just hang out. So she says, you know, my friend says, oh, well, yeah, she'll be out here next week. I'm realizing that my friend that's here, she's had a lot of stress going on in regards to her personal life, her work life. So whenever I find out that the friend is coming out here, I was like, okay, well, hey, do you need me to come and be a buffer? Because from what she's telling me, this friend is kind of, you know, on 9,000 at all times. This friend of mine that I'm talking about, we'll call her Jessica. Jessica is, she's a white female. She's always been very open with like asking me questions and trying to understand what it looks like for me to walk around because she's even seen like how some differences are made in day-to-day -day life with, with me and her and how people respond differently or whatever. And even some of the other individuals that she's been, had friendships with or whatever, she, you know, she's spoken about how things were different. So she's aware that, you know, we don't live in this colorblind society or whatever and I actually don't subscribe to being colorblind like I want you to see my color I just don't want you to define me by my color because there are things that happen that things that experiences that are totally based on my color that I need you to see and I need you to understand my friend Jessica has her her friend Amanda come in and Amanda flies in and I say okay well hey I'll meet up with you guys and we can all hang out and we could, you know, finally I'll get to meet her. She'll get to meet me. We can just enjoy some downtime. And because I know you have a lot of craziness already going on in your day-to-day -day life, you might not necessarily have the energy in you to deal with what Amanda is going to bring <laughs> to this gathering. So I show up and there's a total of four of us. It is myself, Jessica, who is my friend, Amanda, who is the friend of Jessica, and Jane is the other friend. And I have never, ever met Amanda. Amanda, in the past, she has made statements that, you know, um, I hope that Tasha knows that you're my friend. And of course, you know, at the age of 42, you think all of these things are in jest. So you, you laugh it off, you blow it off, whatever. As we're standing around talking, you know, you can see that, you know, Amanda is off the chain. Amanda is loud, crazy, and she's clearly been drinking a lot all day. <laughs> So I've been around drunk people. I've been the drunk person. I don't know if I've been that belligerent, but I've been that person. So it's, watching all of that happen was not a problem for me at all. And I'm constantly looking at my friend, Jessica, reassuring her, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Because the loudness, none of that was bothering me, even though we are in a pretty nice location. And yes, there's getting some stares because, you know, she's yelling, talking about sucking dick and, you know, how it's good for your teeth and all this other stuff. And of course, you have these people that are turning and looking and I'm just like, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, that's her. 
<laughs> that's her. Like, let, if she wants to embarrass herself, she's not embarrassing me. It, it takes a lot to embarrass me, honestly. All of this is happening, and Jessica is, you can see, like, she is kind of melting into herself. We are standing around, and we're getting ready to to drink, and we have wine in our in our hands, and you have the three of them who are, are white women, and you have myself as a black woman, and we're all holding glasses of wine, and I have a white wine, and the three of them have a red wine. And I make the comment, and I say, oh, hey, look, you guys all have the dark wine, and I have the white wine. And so Jessica, she laughs at it, and she's like, oh, I just caught on to what you said. Jane does the same thing. Amanda immediately chimes in, and she says, wait a minute. You told me I couldn't make any racist jokes. And I, I was like, wait, what? I hear Jessica say, no, I told you, you cannot refer to her as Black Tasha. And so, of course, my, my eyes are wide at this point, and I'm kind of looking back and forth. Amanda looks at me, and she's like, she told me I can't call you Black Tasha. I can call you Black Tasha. I simply look at her, and I, I say, no, you can't call me Black Tasha. Because mind you, there, my friend Jessica does not have any other friends with the same name. I am the only Tasha. I say, no, you cannot call me Black Tasha. You can call me your friend Tasha who lives in Virginia. You can call me her friend Tasha who is from Louisiana. You can call me her best friend Tasha, but you cannot call me Black Tasha in scene. Like she just, she stops. Everything is kind of like, you know, the record just stops. And you can feel everything changes, I guess. Like the, the energy of the group shifts even more than what it already did or what it already was because of this drunken posture that she was taking, just being loud and crazy and everything. And she goes and she walks outside. And I look at Jessica and I tell her, what was that about? And she's like, I tried to tell her. And Jane chimes in at the same time. She's like, we told her before you came, she can't say things like that. That's rude. And I was like, I don't understand. Why does she feel like she needs to de define me like that? And when I, <laughs> they, of course, they're, they're making, you know, I don't want to say excuses, but they're trying to like, you know, make it okay, I guess, because they're like, we, we said it. We don't know why she would do this. Jane is saying, I've never, ever seen her act like this before. And my friend Jessica is saying, no, not at all. Like, this is not, she doesn't do this. I felt like I already knew what it was. And I told her, I was like, nah, I said she, because she's never been around somebody like me. At that point, because I'm still a human being and because I, I recognized what was happening, I told my friend Jessica, I was like, you need to go out there and check on her. Because it was, it was her jockeying for affection. So I felt like she wanted her friend Jessica, our friend Jessica, to make a choice. So I said, you need to go out there and check on your friend. Because I'm totally comfortable, I, I was totally comfortable and confident in my friendship. Well, when this happened, of course, you know, I continue having conversations with Jane and we start talking about, you know, reasons of why. And I'm still just, you know, not even really thinking about me in this moment. All I'm thinking about is my poor friend Jessica is already having a crappy, you know, season with her life. And work is crazy. She's had a ridiculously crazy work week, you know, that she was trying to decompress from. And now she's got to deal with this crazy friend of hers that's outside throwing a tantrum. And so I'm still not even really focused on the fact that there's, there's a realization that comes later on regarding exactly what was happening 
And because I was in it, I wasn't even really, um, I didn't cause too much of a ruckus about it, I guess. They end up coming back inside. Jessica and Amanda come back inside and... I look at Amanda and I'm like, hey, look, I'm not worried about your friendship with her at all. Come to find out of all of the things that I said to her, the thing that triggered her the most wasn't that I was challenging her calling me black. It was that I was challenging her, her friendship with Jessica versus my friendship with Jessica. Whenever I said, you can call me her best friend, you can, her best friend, Tasha. That was the one that she was focused on. That, that was the one that brought her to tears. Not that this woman is telling you that you cannot refer to her in a, you know, in a, a, a way that defines her by her race. We have our server, who, our hostess actually, who comes and says uh, that the table that we wanted was ready. And um, it's a uh, younger Asian female. So we go to sit down and the dynamic seems to have, you know, uh, calmed down a little bit. There's not a lot of craziness or anything um, as far as the energy is concerned between the four of us. So as we walk on over, um, we sit at a square table and my friend Jessica is to my right. Her friend Jane is to my left and Amanda is seated straight across from me. At that moment, the server or the hostess, she kneels down to go and tell, like stoops down to go and tell us the specials and everything. And as she does that, the friend, um, the uh, friend Amanda says, you're such you're such a pretty uh Chinese girl. And as soon as she says that, I grab my face and I put it into my menu and I'm just like, "Oh my god. Why?" For a couple of reasons. A, <laughs> for her to say, "You're such a pretty Chinese girl." Her ethnicity had nothing to do with her beauty. She was a gorgeous girl. So, that was cringeworthy. In addition to the fact that I've been around enough different Asian cultures to where I can immediately look at this girl and have, you know, a strong certainty. I would say like 95% certainty. I already knew she was not Chinese. She's touching the girl's face and she's admiring her. And I need you to see these air quotes that I'm doing, but she's admiring this girl. And then the girl, you know, actually, let me pause for a second. Jane thinks she's helping the situation. And I, I didn't even necessarily take offense to it because I feel like she thought she was saying the right thing, but she really was not. She was kind of only adding salt to the wound when she made the statement. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I mean, you might not be Chinese because, you know, like a lot of you guys all, you know, y'all kind of favor each other. I was like, oh my God. And so I kind of put my hand out, you know, to her, to Jane. And I was just like, no, just, just let this, let this one go. And at that point, the hostess, you know, she speaks up for herself and she's like, well, actually, I'm not Chinese. I'm Korean. And so you would think, oh, OK, all right, we're, we're going to be done with this. Oh, no, no. Amanda was not done. She continued on to say, oh, well, you're really pretty for a Korean girl. Isn't she pretty for a Korean girl? And I'm still just dying inside. And I'm looking over at my friend Jessica and I can see that she is mortified at what is happening at that point. And again, I'm looking at my friend and I'm, you know, I'm like, girl, you know, hey, this is her. This is her. This is not you. We're good. It's, it's fine. She's like, oh, my God, she's so embarrassing. And I was like, yeah, but she's embarrassing herself. And of course, at this point, the, <laughs> the hostess is looking at me and I'm shaking my head. No, like, ugh. 
I don't, I don't know what to say. And so the hostess finally says, you know what? Well, hey, look, um, I know you just ordered a, a round of tequila from me, but I can't do that because that's not what I do. Um, but your server is on her way. So at that point, I, her, our server ends up coming and she is an African-American female and she greets us and she, you know, takes our order. She goes over everything. And as she's getting ready to walk off, I was like, I'm sorry, honey. I said, what did you say your name was again? She's like, my name is Tika. I was like, oh, okay. Amanda chimes in and she says, we'll just call her Taco Bell. Wait, what? This young lady just clearly said her name is Tika. Now, mind you, these are the things that are happening in my head, but I didn't say it out loud. I didn't, I didn't correct her out loud. My, my friend, Jessica, is looking at me, and she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, girl, I, this, is, this is your friend. I don't know how you deal with her, but like, this is what, now I see why you needed a buffer. We go ahead and we continue to have, to have dinner, and eventually Amanda says she needs to go outside because she needs to go take a call or whatever. So she goes outside, and at that point, my friend Jessica breathes a sigh of relief and she's like, oh my gosh. She was like, hopefully she stays out there for a while because she's, just, she's so draining, blah, blah, blah. And we finish up, uh, we finish up dinner. Eventually, uh, eventually Amanda comes back in. But while we are in there eating, Tika keeps catching my eye at the table from the corner. And there's another table on the other side of us that every now and then we make eye contact. And I start feeling like super, super low inside myself. But, you know, I don't, I don't really say anything about it. And I just kind of, I'm in my, in my mind, I'm just like, I just want this night to end. I, j I just want to go get in my car and I'm ready to leave. I don't want to be here because everything is starting to settle in about what has transpired this entire night. And I start to feel bad. Not not for myself, but I felt bad because I didn't speak up. I didn't say anything because I'm in this this establishment where, like I said, I'm one of a few uh, flecks of melanation in there. I almost felt like if I say or do anything or or like speak up that might in a way that might cause a scene, I will be the one that looks crazy. I will be the angry black woman. So just be quiet, Tasha, and. Let's let this night end. So at this point, Jane and Amanda are totally just shit-faced. We walk them out, and um, my friend and her the, and the, the other two friends, they take an Uber, and they head out. And I am I'm sober because though I'm taking shots, I'm not actually taking shots. I am literally pouring the tequila into my glass that was water. I am not drinking because I don't want to drink with them. I don't feel comfortable drinking with them. So I'm sober. So I get in the car and I drive home. And my drive home was probably, it's about like a 40-minute drive. And all I was thinking about was all of the things that were said, all of the things that were done, but yet nobody spoke up. Nobody spoke up. I didn't even speak up. And so I start replaying all of the words, the, how, how the statements are said. And at that point, I'm, I'm officially hurt. I'm hurt. I'm mad. I'm confused because this is my friend. 
this is my friend who I've, you know, I've had countless conversations with about how I'm treated, how we're different in the eyes of so many. And I've had those same conversations where she was, she would look at me and say, I don't understand why it's like that. That hurts me so much that people would do things like that. And here it is, I am ending the night with my friend being one of those people who allowed it to happen, with me being one of those people who allowed it to happen. <laughs>